It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. We're going to jump right in and talk about flying for a cause on this episode of Public Affairs Radio. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Jay Baker with me. Hi, Jay. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm wonderful. And we think about fundraising, uh, a lot of groups, classrooms, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. You can do these fundraisers, whether it's within your own parents, you're selling uh, cookies or gift wrapping or cookie dough, uh, or you can go to an event space and sort of rent out the space or have your party there in, in portions of what you spend at that event center goes to your fundraiser. And we're going to talk a little bit about a, a very cool idea for your group if you're looking for a, a new fun fundraiser. We put the fun in fundraising. There are trampoline parks all across America, and we found one called Flight Fit and Fun. You can find them online, flightfitandfun.com. It's the letter N, not and. So flightfitinfun.com. You can have your fundraiser there. So talk about having a great afternoon on the trampolines, jumping around, uh, burning some calories, expending some energy, sweating your forehead off, and raising money for the fundraiser of your choice. Plus, I've been impressed these trampoline centers. Kids really get engaged. Ironically, it's an activity they do and they actually burn some calories as opposed to just sit, eat some cake, and drive people crazy. So this is, uh, I, I think there's a lot of very positive things that could come out of this. And I don't want to, you know, shame or badmouth the organizations that are selling high-calorie items like cookie dough or some sort of candy. Uh, but yeah, in today's society with child obesity and everything that's happening with calorie intake and body mass index and health uh, issues and health concerns, what better way to raise funds for your fundraiser than to do it in, a, in an activity-based, uh, an exercise-based uh, sort of function like jumping all afternoon on a trampoline? Well, and the fun part is, of course, it's a great, safe, supervised activity. I know when we were growing up, Adam, our parents would always say, do not go over to the kid's house that has a trampoline. Now we're saying, do go and jump on a trampoline and actually help society all at once. It's super safe and super fun, and you can do it for a great cause. Now, we will suggest uh, and encourage you to plan this out at least six weeks in advance because it's hard to get your group just to uh, you know last minute show up for some sort of uh, enormous sort of undertaking like this fundraiser. So at least six weeks in advance, think ahead, uh, get in touch with your I guess, event space to plan your fundraiser. Uh, again, we're talking about flight, fit, and fun. Uh, if you want to plan your fundraiser, again, get in touch with them six weeks in advance, flightfitandfun.com. And you can fly for a cause. Get to know Adam at adamritz.com. Get to know the radio show at adamritzshow.com. From the Vibonomic Studios, it's the Adam Ritz Show. We thank you for listening. And we thank our friends at Vibonomics for supporting the show and being our sponsor and underwriter. You can find out more about them at Vibonomics.com. It's their audio experience and their audio experience software that's really changing the game inside retail spaces across America. 
And I always say, if you walk into a store, you hear some cool music and some even cooler voiceover messages between the songs, that's probably Vibonomics you're listening to. I'm Adam Ritz, and we continue the show on the campus of Wabash College. I'm with Junior at Wabash, David Riggs. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. No, I did. David, how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking tonight at one of your uh, freshman orientation programs. And before I spoke, you spoke. So I was excited to hear what you had to say about your work with mental health here on campus at Wabash College. Uh, first of all, tell us about the organization. Yeah. So the Mental Health Concerns Committee was made four or five years ago. Um, after an incident on campus, and it was really to promote the mental health of all of our students and make each of our students a protector of one another's mental health. Um, Through that, we decided to make social media pages. Um, One of the biggest things is attacking the stigma of mental health, and it's really hard to do that just on a one-on-one conversation. So the best way that we found out to do this is to just share cool little content and clips on social media, and that's the easiest way for people to uh, engage with the things that we're sharing. It's for the kids that lay in bed at one o'clock in the morning, dreading going to school the next day. Well, like, let's go to the mental health Instagram page and find some cool tips, or let's go to the Twitter and find a cool article for kids that have been in my exact position. We've seen really good returns with that. So your position with this group is, um, I'm guessing, as the social media director. Yeah. Um, and what's the name of the group, Mental Health, mental uh, health Wabash Concerns College? Committee. Mental Health Concerns Committee, yeah. And what are some of the examples of some of those recent posts? Um, if I were uh, a junior in the School of Liberal Arts at Wabash College, I'm having a tough time. I, I get on the Twitter page at 1 a.m. What do I see? Yeah, so we actually just, uh, the Mental Health Concerns Committee came together. and We decided on a cool article to share, and it was for kids 18 to 22, which is basically mm. any, any college yeah. kid. And it was a 10 tips to how to go about freshman year or go through college and things like that. Um, they linked you to different productivity apps uh, to keep you on top of things. They linked you to certain meditation apps, different alarm apps to help you wake up earlier and then really start your day on a positive note. Um, books that have been read across the, across the globe that really deal with mental health and positivity to keep your day going. So it's, it's awesome because obviously we're all different. Some of us like podcasts, some of us like books. Some of us will only listen to things or look on things on social media. Well, it was a really cool article because it broke down all of those different forms and anybody that gets on is going to have a takeaway, one or two takeaways at least on how to improve their mental health and really improve their stature on campus and just be more positive throughout the day. Because Wabash isn't necessarily an easy pace, but with the people around us and with the brotherhood that we have here, it's, it's awesome. You can get caught up in it and you can really, you can really change the way you look about it in, in overnight. One of the things you've touched on is the stigma behind mental health. And I heard you uh, in your team talking about the statistics behind men. Um, Wabash College is an all-male college. And what were the, how did you guys word it that, that men are the, especially college men are the least likely uh, least, demographic? Least likely to fic- think they have to- a mental health issue, but they're also the least likely to even get help. So let's say out of 10 people, I think it's about four of those will struggle with mental health throughout the entire school year, but only about 40% of those four will even think about getting help. And the thing is, like, on our campus, we have professionals that will sit here and help us, but the students just are afraid to go there. They don't want to be seen walking to the mental health advisory or they don't want to be seen interacting with someone or really challenging that mental health, so they stay away from it. So it's really scary because we're the ones who are put in the most stress at this age group. We're trying to get the most done in four years, enjoy college, but still get an awesome degree. 
you flip it on its head, it's really scary to know that we struggle with mental health on a daily basis, but we don't go get help for it. And for not only my listeners, but for me too, when we, when we look at mental health uh, and what you guys are, are trying to you know, help your students with here, what are we talking about here? Like just any, everything from simple anxiety um, all the way up to addiction problems, suicide. I mean, what's the gamut here that you're trying to touch on with, with the students of Wabash College? Yeah, so the way we talk about that is we try to compare it a lot to physical health. So you have people from A to Z in physical health that they try to get started off and what's a good workout regimen just to get going. And you have other people that are worried about all the big metrics and BMI and macro and all the cool things like that. Well, in the same way, it's the mental health. So we try to do our best. It's starting the students that come on our campus with a strong base, realizing that if they get in a situation, they don't cower away and pull themselves away from other people. They try and go out and search for help and really test the brotherhood because it's there and it'll really give you a return on it. Um, but then we go up the line as well. And in the community and things like that, you'll have all sorts of problems. So one of our next steps is to take the mental health committee and kind of drop the Wabash name and really make it the mental health concerns committee for everyone that is in this community, which there's a lot of people. It can be hosted at Wabash, but we want to help as many problems as we can. Um, we're students. We like studying and we like learning a lot of things. For a couple hours a week, a lot of us will go online and look at the new articles and look at the new facts and things like that. And that's something that we feel that shouldn't just be held on our campus. It should be shared with the community. You're ahead of the game because I, when I was a college student, I didn't like studying. You like studying? Okay. That's uh, a yeah, score one for you and uh, your generation. Uh, our guest is David Riggs, uh, Wabash College Junior. And you mentioned that this Mental Health Concerns, Concerns Committee uh, started f- five years ago. Mm-hmm. So that means it was here before you got here, mm-hmm. which means it's working. It, it's not something somebody started, it happened a couple semesters and it went away. Uh, do you know of, and I'll put you on the spot now, do you know of any success stories of the Mental Health Concerns Committee working? Mm-hmm. Obviously, no names are going to be shared, but we actually had a kid that had come in contact with our pages and shot us a couple DMs. Um, didn't know I was behind the page, didn't know who exactly he was either. Um, turns out he wasn't even a kid on our campus. It was one of the followers that found us, uh, through different growth methods that we've had to really get our name out there. Um, shot him the Twitter page and he actually has kept in touch. And he's been like, this is like one of those things that I stumbled upon at 1am in the morning. And I saw the page and I had a weird moment where I wanted to reach out and I did and you guys gave us resource after resource after resource, and it's helped me kind of get back on my feet. Turns out 30, 35-year-old that needed help with his job just got dropped off. He was like, I didn't know what to do. And turned around like that, and it was, it's one of those things that it's like, it's giving me goosebumps now because you don't expect that to happen. And it's a bunch of kids running an Instagram page on the college, but the fact that mental health is on Instagram where everyone else is, you're meeting that market right where it is, and you're helping plenty of people. That is unbelievable. That is unbelie- That is so cool. I mean, and you, you touched on it, that you're thinking about even taking Wabash College out of the name and just making this a mental health resource for the rest of the world. Well, it already is, apparently, according <laughs> to this guy. That is fantastic. Uh, well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Before I let you go, let's have some fun. You are obviously into media. You're the social media director for this initiative at Wabash College. Uh, what is your major? What do you want to do with yourself? Yeah, so I am actually a financial economics major with a rhetoric minor. Um, a lot which, which has nothing to do with media. Nothing, nothing. yeah. <laughs> um, I've always been interested in numbers. The weird facts, I used to like 10, 12 years old, 
my dad would have the radio on when we were driving somewhere and they'd talk about like tax reforms and things like that. I had no clue what was going on, but I listened so intently because it included numbers and percentages. And eight, nine years later, I'm in the same spot. Um, I actually got started with Instagram accounts because Instagram released their business features and they released every number you could ever want to see. So I was just like, this is the perfect way to get my hands on numbers. Little did I know I'd fall in love with it and obviously talk about it all over the place. Um, but yeah, financial economics major, a lot of numbers, um, hoping to go be a financial analyst or data analyst somewhere. Yeah, there's a financial economics uh, universe that's crossing with social media, and now uh, you are the fo- foremost expert in both of those universes. I, so. <laughs> um, I want to wish you the best of luck, and thank you for coming on the show. Before we let you go, what are the accounts that we can follow? The, is it just is Instagram and Twitter? And is Facebook. It, and Facebook. Yeah, okay, so what are the search, names of these accounts? Yeah, if you search Wabash, W-A-B-A-S-H-M-H-C-C, that stands for Wabash Mental Health Concerns Committee. Um, you can find that on Instagram and Twitter. And then if you just search Wabash Mental Health Concerns Committee on Facebook, you'll be able to find our page as well. And there it is. We thank you so much for coming on the show, and we wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. Hey, this is Jeff Saturday. Just want to say how important what Adam Ritz is doing. This is truly a difference maker. You're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. We thank you for hanging out with the Adam Ritz Show. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Our next guest is uh, now a good friend of mine. I've spent all day with him here in Boone, North Carolina, on the campus of Appalachian State University. He's Reggie Hunt. Hi, Reggie. How are you? Hey, Adam. I'm wonderful. And first of all, let me just say how awesome it was today. We're so honored to have you here. And it was it exceeded our expectations to have you here speaking to our players tonight, and we really thank you for being here. Well, I can't thank you enough for saying that. Uh, yes, we did have a little team meeting with the players. They're the football team, the football players at App State, and our listeners will remember that uh, Appalachian State University, the Mountaineers, uh, world famous now for a huge win over the Michigan Wolverines in what year was that? That was 2007. And you were here. Uh, and I was here. I was here on the field, in the stadium, actually got to give the pregame uh, motivational that day uh, for that event. So it was a, for that game, it's an awesome time. Okay, so we bring you on the show. This is a social awareness talk show. We talk about inspirational stories. And, uh, I mean, if you ask me, one of the most uh, important moments in the last 50 years of college football in America, it's that game. It's when Appalach- Appalachian State beat Michigan. I mean, that is such a Rocky Hoosiers-type uh, underdog story beating the big team in their home, the big house. I mean, it's even called the big house, 109,000 people, and you take them down with a last second. The field goal was blocked. I was crazy. And it's even more fitting for you to be on this show because you're the team chaplain. So you're the... You're the pray guy, man. You you said the right <laughs> prayers that day. Apparently, I was I was nervous. I didn't know whether or not that we should talk about a lamb being led to a slaughter or David and Goliath or <laughs> what should we talk about? Should we talk about faith in this moment? But it was a fun day to really uh, motivate the guys, you know, in, in a pregame in a pregame motivation for that week. So you gave the pregame uh, motivational speech slash prayer. Sure. And uh, do you remember it like it was yesterday? I, I do. I remember the whole year we had already won two national championships. So we're coming, working hard, and preparing for a third national championship. We've got a big game against number five, Michigan. You and know. you said, not to interrupt, but a national championship, one double A? Yes. Is that what yeah. it is? Okay. Back to back, one double A national championships. And uh, now we're preparing for number five, Michigan. And I'm wondering, what am I going to say? And, uh, you know, I had, 
I, I, I was so nervous that whole weekend about this pregame, uh, having to fly in the mission and give this pregame. And, you know, that morning we just talked about one of the points was, do we want to build a monument or a memorial? You know, there's people that have gone before us as Appalachian uh, players, and we have a legacy here at Appalachian, and today would be a good day for us to continue our legacy and to build our legacy. So the pregame speech that morning was actually about legacy. What are we going to do? This is going to be a defining moment for us. And when the defining moment comes, either you define the moment or the moment defines you. And so we're talking about people in the Bible who had defining moments. We're talking about people uh, who played at Appalachian who had defining moments, and uh, that was pretty much it. You know, and uh, I was extremely nervous, you know, sharing that pregame because at that time I'd only been um, doing the pregame motivation for maybe about four uh, years or so. So um, three years, actually. So I, I wanted to keep my contract as the, you know, as the pregame, uh, you know, speaker. <laughs> and so it was a real, real fun day for us. All I can think of is, is uh, in the world of sports and faith as the team pastor uh, and you won the game. Sure. Uh, had you not won the game. You were up 14 points. We were talking about this sure. earlier. You're up 14 points. If Michigan wins that game, would you be like the bishop in Caddyshack? Would you say? <laughs> would you denounce your faith and uh, no. just start drinking? No. You know, the, the, the first I started off as the second string chaplain, and I always say that's not, not that's nothing you write home about, you know. And the first game that I uh, gave the pregame for, we were just uh, we got annihilated by Wyoming, and I thought, Lord, if these games depend on my pregame speech, we are in trouble. <laughs> my first year, we were six and five. You know. My my second year, uh, we won the national championship, and everybody said, it's because of the chaplain. And then when we lost uh, the fourth championship run, everybody said, it's because of the chaplain. So I've learned not to really define myself you know, by who wins that game, but it, there was a lot of prayers on that day. There was a lot of prayers on that Michigan day. Uh, and afterwards I, afterwards, I was so sick. I think I'd been nervous and maybe had heat exhaustion and stuff like that, that uh, I actually you know, passed out on the plane and, <laughs> and then on the tarmac, and I actually didn't get to be a part of the celebration here. I had to watch it on video. I think I put enough energy and enough prayers that day in the hoping that we win in that game. Well, you did your job. Uh, the prayers worked. Uh, one of the most inspiring uh, games in college football history just a few years ago, uh, Appalachian State beating Michigan at Michigan. Uh, you are Reggie Hunt, the team chaplain with Appalachian State, and um, you were telling me you're also a, pa you're a pastor in town yeah. here in Boone, North Carolina. You've got a church. You uh, sure. do this every Sunday. You, you preach. Yeah, I pastor a church called Cornerstone Summit, and you know it's really unique because I started off being here as a chaplain and had, a, had pastored another church, and my tenure of being the chaplain here... Uh, uh, me and a few uh, guys from Appalachian State, a few former football players, actually started our church. And so it's been really cool to kind of have that inspiration on that side. But to walk with these guys uh, as a chaplain and then later on as a director of player development, I get to be intricately uh, involved in their life, you know, in so many different aspects, uh, life skills and leadership and, you know, um, uh, academic goals as well as their uh, spiritual development. So Saturday morning, Game day, you're giving a pregame mm -hmm. motivational speech. 24 hours later, you are at church giving a sermon. Sure. And, you know, like this year, we'll play Wyoming. We'll play Montana. We'll open up against Montana. We'll get back to the airport at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I will go straight from Hickory, North Carolina, right into the pulpit. So I just have learned, you know, we played LSU the year that Hurricane Katrina was here. We got back at 645 in the morning. But I love being on the road with the team. And, you know, while they're studying game plan, uh, I'm reading books and kind of thinking about what I want to do uh, for the next weekend. So I just have, I feel like I've kind of been tailored for, 
you know, a, a job like this and getting to travel. I'm now at 140 straight Appalachian games. So being able to travel over the last several years, I have a wonderful wife and family who supported me. Uh, the church has been real flexible to let me go on the team. The coaches have been real great to let me do the pregame. And, you know, we've got a new coaching staff this year, but for the last uh, 11 years, I'm the only person that speaks on Saturday. Uh, I, the pregame meal is a silent meal. There's no phone. There's no texting. Everybody's stone quiet. The coach gets up and says, okay, we're going to have a pregame motivational. I speak, and then after that, we're out the door three hours before tip-off, and coach speaks again, you know, normally right before we walk out the tunnel. If it's a late flight back to Boone, North Carolina, and you are up early to give your sermon on Sunday, do you ever accidentally give the motivational speech from the game? No, no. You know, there's times that I've thought about it, but, you know, between a Sunday service and then a Wednesday service, a Wednesday night coach's Bible study, and then a Saturday morning message, I generally come up with four different messages per week. And I, don't, I try not to repeat them at, at, yeah. at each other. You know, it's just creative for me. Well, it's pretty inspiring. Uh, the chaplain with the team, uh, Appalachian State University football, is uh, Reggie Hunt. He's our guest right now. So the inspiring story of, of App State beating Michigan, that's great. Your inspiring story of being the team chaplain, sure. a pastor, and the football team's director of player development. Let's talk about the teams, uh, before I let you go, their community service. Um, weren't you telling me about a, an overseas project even that yeah, you do? Yeah, uh, do you yeah. do that with the players, or is that just you that, and your that church? That was separate. But, you know, this year, uh, just between February and uh, the middle of April, we had over 140 hours of community service. So our team has done an extraordinary job working with five different uh, elementary schools and about four different uh, agencies, ro- ro- ranging from the homeless shelter uh, to Habitat for Humanity, uh, the local farmers market, uh, uh, autism camps, all of those kind of things we've done. And then this summer, I went on a separate trip outside of football to Honduras with 1,800 volunteers. We volunteered, uh, that group volunteered and served um, all 18 states of Honduras. So it was an incredible week for us. 1,800 volunteers? 1,800 volunteers all flew to Miami. We chartered a 747, Boeing 747, like like, uh, Air Force One. We flew to Honduras. We had 24 buses that took us to 18 states. And then we had, uh, it was kind of, we went into various schools. We had over 400 people that went to uh, medical brigades in one area. We distributed shoes. We went into schools. We gave new curriculum. And then on the last day, it was kind of like watching the NCAA because there was a uh, televised all over Latin America was uh, the different states. So for three minutes, you would see Cologne, and then for three minutes, you would see San Pedro, and then for three minutes, you would see La Ceiba, and you were seeing what was happening on one Saturday. And between those 18 states, we had uh, 100, uh, I'm sorry, 1.6 million people uh, at live events in one night. So between those 18 soccer stadiums. So it was a wonderful event for us. Was it soccer? Um, what was, was that the template? Uh, no, the, was soccer it was a, behind? It was like it? an evangelistic crusade on the last ah, night. Okay. Yeah, so the last night was great. And what is? I'm guessing the way you described that, 1,800 people from the United States going mm-hmm. to Honduras. What's the governing body from the U.S. that's doing this? Uh, the the group that we went with was a friend of mine named Dominic Russo. The event was called One Nation One Day. And the, the goal was to reach one nation in one day through service and evangelism. So it was a wonderful opportunity. We had doctors uh, and nurses and, you know, pastors, ministers. Uh, the youngest person in the group that I saw was nine. The oldest person on my team was 80. So it was a vast, you know, group of people age-wise and diversity-wise. Uh, just a wonderful event. The, the uh, president of Honduras had declared it a national holiday. And the security that we have was amazing. So, you know, five of the most dangerous cities in the world uh, were in Honduras. 
uh, the state that we were in, 20 people uh, die per day. And in the nation of Honduras for that week, there were no murders oh, nationwide. That's awesome. So it was a really fun you know, event. So I've been able to really just be blessed with the opportunity to you know, do trips like that um, and do those in the spring and in the summer mm-hmm. when football's a little bit slower and then come back here, get checked in for camp, be with the guys from August, you know, through December and balance my church world, my family world, uh, the athletic world um, as well. So it's been fun. You got a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. <laughs> well, let me uh, finish with this last question for you. Um, as a pastor, Sure. Reggie Hunt is our guest again. He's a pastor here in Boone, North Carolina. And also, the other hat he wears, uh, several hats, one of his hats is that he's the pastor and player development director for the Appalachian State University football squad. Um, you give the pregame motivational speech. Sure. I'll call it the pregame prayer. Sure. Uh, it's a state school. Sure. Is there any, I guess, uh, fight? from the other side of the non-secular side of the fence that says, hey, let's keep church and state separate. Uh, We shouldn't have a prayer on campus. I mean, is that something that you just see on a cable news station or is that a real problem that might exist? I I think it's a real uh, challenge to be aware of. You know, we've had guys on our team that are uh, Jewish, that are atheists, that are agnostic, that are Christian, that are, uh, you know, uh, Zen Buddhists, you know. Faith plays a role in everybody's life in some capacity, uh, whether you're Tim Tebow and uh, you're pretty expressive about your Christian faith or you're Tiger Woods and meditation as a Buddhist is important to you. So when we say faith, we're not just talking about Christianity. Uh, we're talking about how faith is a, is, is a part of, the, uh, of an individual's life. But here at Appalachian, you know, Appalachian is a state-supported school. So when I do the pregame message, I'm not trying to establish a church. I'm trying to motivate men to be better men on and off the field. You know, and so the messages that I give in that capacity, I have to learn how to connect with a guy. So I might start off with a scripture. Uh, I start off with a, with a quote. I'll start off with a quote that that maybe um, uh, Albert Einstein said: uh, "The current problems that we face cannot be resolved by remaining at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them." Uh-huh. So I'll start off with the Einstein quote: uh, "How can we be better this year than we were last year?" And I'll talk about mindsets, and I'll talk about uh, adaptations, and I'll talk about self-awareness, and I'll talk about all those kind of things. And then I may give illustrations, you know, uh, of people from the Bible who uh, had to adapt, people who refused to back down, people who were motivated. And one day, uh, these men are going to go beyond football. Hopefully, these lessons, you know, will, will be important for them. This way, I haven't really... Uh, the, the, the challenge that we have with the separation of church and state is not establishing religion on a state campus. When you give a message like that as a motivational and you're referencing illustrations or you're referencing the Bible, you're not establishing religion. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. uh, And so in the same clause that we have, the separation of church and state, we also have the exercise uh, and the freedom uh, to exercise you know, our beliefs and our religion. So we always have to find that balance of that. And I just, for 13 years now, have just uh, understood that Appalachian is, is, not, is not a church. Uh, yeah. And when people, you know, come to our church, uh, they get a little bit different, you know, vibe. Uh, I'm a little bit more uh, expressive maybe there. I'm a little bit more direct there. Uh, and also as a staff employee, um, I have to be mindful that uh, in the room are going to be different people at different life stages and different levels of faith. And so uh, my invitation is not for you to join a church. My invitation is for us to have a relationship in which I believe and engage in a relationship we can be better together. 
Well, whatever you said before that Michigan game, say that again. <laughs> I tried a couple times. Uh, you know, I tried to, I, I haven't repeated any messages, but there's a few phrases that have worked, you know, time and time again. But the, every year is a little bit different. And I, I probably put more pressure on myself than, than some realize. I kind of come up with a good message. Maybe, maybe eight hours for a 10 minute pregame. I got to ask, did you hear any, hear any feedback from uh, anybody in Columbus, Ohio? I got to believe the Buckeye fans, the Ohio State fans in Columbus, Ohio, love Appalachian State after that win over Michigan. You know, I'm going to Ohio this weekend to speak at the church, and the <laughs> church loves me just because we beat Michigan. Uh, but really, you know, after the week after Michigan was just so wild for our whole guys. You know, you had folks from uh, from Orlando and from LA Times, you know, and Sports Illustrated, and all these people were here interviewing. But the most amazing thing was to see the two charter buses that pulled up at the Appalachian bookstore, got off the bus, bought a whole lot of Apple, Appalachian gear, got back on the bus, and probably drove up to Ohio. And we have seen all kinds of Ohio State folks who have just thanked us. And all the T-shirt companies here made, you know, just well over their, their budget uh, after that game because they just printed shirts. Like, we have shirts here that say, uh, where is Ann Arbor? Because Michigan is the trademark. Yeah. So ah. we can't say, where is Michigan? We just have, where is Ann Arbor? Where I bet you know where Boone, North Carolina is, you know. Uh, and so we've, we've had to work around the trademarks. But all the Ohio State fans still love us. You're big in Ohio. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they love us there. Reggie Hunt, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and uh, sharing your faith with us. Your work as a pastor and your work as the uh, player development director with Appalachian State University Football. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And we really enjoyed today. And I'm great to, uh, honored to, to meet you and, and have a new friend. All right. I want to thank Vibonomics again for sponsoring today's show. Thanks again, Wabash College, for hosting us. And a reminder, if you're looking for a fun fundraiser, Find out how you can have your fundraiser at fitflightandfun.com. Join me on Twitter at Adam Ritz, on Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.